Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Gordon. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partner with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go there and check it out today if you haven't already. Really appreciate it. Also check out Facebook and Instagram for all the great work that's been going on there. Jonathan, as we kick off the show tonight, I I really, I struggle to know what we're going to talk about. I mean, there's been no big news whatsoever in the Titans world, nothing going on. It's been kind of, oh, wait a second. Actually, a big bombshell dropped today with what happened, kind of explaining going back to last week. We had the first bombshell on Monday, finding out that Jay Bowen had missed the game, completely had missed the trip, a defensive play caller for the Titans. And now we find out that eight members of the Titans organization have tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah, you knew it was going to be some team fans out there just sitting there hoping it wasn't going to be your team. Well, Titans fans, congratulations. It was your team. You're number one. You won something. You were the first one to cross the COVID positive line. So, yeah, it, it's definitely something. Look, they were not in a bubble. They decided not to go into this bubble uh, format, which, given that would be super tough with these large rosters and how, how the NFL functions. But uh, it was something that anybody that was paying attention knew was going to happen at some point. So, here we are. And now it comes down to you, you kind of put your best foot forward. How do you move forward if you're the Titans, from a coaching perspective, what are your next steps? Right. And it's just, it's kind of a world of unknown because, well, let's be honest, this has all been unknown, correct? I mean, it's just, they're all kind of figuring out, you you can have a plan, but as is it Mike Tyson that said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth? I mean, you, you have to, you don't know what you're going to do until you get into it. But before we dive into all that, let's look at who is affected and kind of start there. Uh, so it's five personnel members of the Titan staff. Uh, I don't have names there because they haven't released them for as far as I know. So we'll just be speculating. Those five do not include Bowen. So he is separate from that. So I, nine total members have been diagnosed with COVID or on the COVID list for the Titans organization. Three players so far. They are waiting on test results, I believe. Jonathan, correct me if I'm wrong there. That's correct. correct. Okay. So we're waiting on further testing there to find out if there's any more players at this point in time as we record this podcast. But the players that we know of right now are Daquan Jones, Bo Brinkley, and Tommy Hudson. Let's start with the least impactful first, Tommy Hudson. He's a, t- he's a practice squad tight end. You made a point the other day, probably on the uh, trip, just in case someone pops for test game day, you need an extra body for special teams or for tight end work. That's probably why he was there. Uh, confirmed, I think, that all of these guys were on the plane trip home at least. I'm not going to get into speculating. I tried to a little bit today about when they possibly could have caught this. The Vikings will do their testing. We'll know, we'll know a complete picture once all the testing comes back for both teams, whether it was an in-game thing or if it was on the plane ride home, as I've seen some speculation. Um, but that's Tommy Hudson's the first one we'll talk about. Uh, really no impact there, so I guess not talk about because No, no we'll offense to Tommy Hudson. No, no offense to Tommy Hudson, but uh, when you compare it to Daquan Jones, you're starting nose tackle who has been having a pretty dang good season next to Jeffrey Simmons especially, and when you especially know of the drop-off when it goes from your starting defensive tackles to your backup defensive tackles, this is a this is a big one for the Titans. Yeah, he's also a team captain. Oh, for uh, he's sure. Kind of a, he's a stalwart that has been on this defense. He's been a part of this organization, so losing him is definitely a loss. Going against the Steelers, who haven't had a super explosive offense, in my opinion. Uh, I, I don't think they're a great offensive team, but whenever you look at the the yards that the Titans had just given up to Dalvin Cook, losing a Daquan Jones is obviously going to be a huge impact. Uh-huh. I mean, obvi- you, ha- you have Jeffrey Simmons playing at an extremely high level. The positives here is that I think that the you know the the Titans gave up a lot of yards to Dalvin Cook in the Vikings game, but I thought that was a lo- was largely based on some backup guys and then your linebacker play were the were kind of the issues there. Yeah, I thought your defensive line, and if you include your outside linebackers, your edge players actually played pretty well. Yeah, overall. I thought they had a really good game. Yeah, and, and the, this, the grades, wherever you back into that, the grades backed up what I was seeing. So yeah. I, to me, it justifies it. Yeah, I don't. I think it. We don't have to even spend too much time on it because Daquan Jones is going to be a loss. Oh, yeah. 100%. He's going to be a big loss, and he's definitely the biggest loss of this this list. And it's just something, especially when you go from 
what he means to the starting five and our starting group of the, the defensive line as a starting five as an offensive lineman, my bad, uh, but starting for that defensive line group, but then just what the impact is after him. And not only that, now you're going to have to ask the third string guy to, that would be rolling in there to play more reps and, and you're going to have to depend on that. So it's just an old, another level to all this. So not ideal, obviously for this defense, but I think that there's, there's enough pieces around on that defensive line that I think one difference you might see is you may see even more of a difference between the push Jeffrey Simmons gets as he's, throwing an offensive lineman seven yards back into the backfield versus, you know, the defensive, other defensive tackle getting pushed. At least Jones was kind of making it to where it didn't look as bad. Now you'll see a big difference probably. I'm half joking, but it's it, we'll get to that later. Simmons was a monster in this game. He is just – I'm so happy he's a, he's a titan for this for this coaching staff. He's got to be fun to, to game plan with. Um, but the other one, and some discussions were going around about how important this one was or how non-important, but, but Bo Brinkley, you're a long-time long, long snapper since 2012. Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl long snapper, I might add. Also has it, and, and this will be the first time in a while, at the very least, if not this entire time, that someone else in a game-time situation has snapped to Brett Kern for punts. Yeah, we definitely got into it a little bit, talking about the impact of this, and I'm going to come across as a Bo Brinkley hater here, and it, it, I'm not. I actually think Bo Brinkley is great at what at what he does, um, and obviously he's been a consistent, again, stalwart on this team, been around since 2012. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if he's even missed a game since then, so obviously... I looked, I couldn't find it, so please, you know, blast us for correcting it, but I couldn't find Long Snapper if they've missed or not, and I couldn't remember anything specifically that he had, so I'm going to go with he hasn't, or if, it, if it's been, like, very minuscule, if that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's one of those, obviously the solution here is never put him to use, so don't, I mean, if your only use is going to be on extra points, maybe just go for two kind of thing every <laughs> single time, but uh, in the impact of Bo Brinkley, I, while I do think there is an impact he's the most easily replaceable and not because he's not a good long snapper but because look you can't you're not gonna it doesn't look like if you have a game on Sunday that you're gonna have any sort of contact practice which means you can't get anybody that you know to step into not that you're ever gonna replace Daquan Jones you're not gonna have those repetitions as the starter in that role look special teams and specialist practices they're not like live full contact roles you're not having guys come off the edge there's protections for the long snapper you can have somebody in there in a walkthrough format and simulate as similar as you ever would for anybody in practice what it's going to be like so again i'm not saying that there's not a drop off from bo brinkley but he's the most easily able to be replicated in the sense of getting him ready for game day if you knew you were going to be without him because everybody else is going to be depleted you're not going to have practice again assuming you stick on sunday we're going to talk about that as well but hang around for that yeah absolutely so i i don't know i i I know you kind of differ on this a little bit, and 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 I don't. Let me start by saying I don't disagree with you. Um, what concerns me here, though, um, as a former, this is this was one of I was this guy. I was the backup long snapper for my team, and my offensive lines coach, offensive line coach's concern was because I was a starting offensive lineman. If I had to go in there and throw there now, I throw in there, and I had now run down the field. Now, obviously, the defense takes over. I can come off the field, but now it's adding extra injury now. And what I, why I bring that up is because if you look at the depth chart, Ben Jones is listed as the starting long snapper. Now you're asking him to do a little more, a little more running. There's more opportunity there. I just don't like it from that standpoint. I mean, for a doomsday scenario, I, don't, I hope nothing happens, but my mind has to go there because maybe that was kind of what I lived through. So that's one of the first things my mind goes to is you're asking a starter to take on additional reps if that's who they go with. And, and you said this earlier, you kind of touched on it there. You're sure he snapped at some point to prepare for this. What NFL team is going to 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 have their backup not do these snaps at some point during practices? Every football team right. will have a an emergency quarterback come in in the event that their starter gets hurt or their backup gets hurt or even their number three gets hurt. They want to be prepared for right. every contingency. Sure. So the idea that the, that he don't hasn't have snapped at all is it, ludicrous. Is, is, it's absurd to me. Oh, one hundred percent. It's a major gap, and I would be super critical. <laughs> now we have other if questions. We're going to be neurotic about everything. <laughs> else but you're not even going to have the backup at a player to at a position take some snaps there's huge issues there so right the other thing is again because there's protections for the, the the long snapper there if it's ben jones go out into your backyard and start getting extra reps on it nothing stops you from that because you don't have to worry about the contact element of it you don't have to do this and again you're not going to be bo brinkley but that's, i'm more worried about him running down the field you know that sure, kind of stuff so i mean sure. that that's where i guess i'm oversimplifying it as far as what my concern is for that specifically but you're right 
go out there and get some extra reps on your own in your own back. There's nothing stopping you from going in the backyard and snapping to whoever's around. Well, luckily, you have uh, possibly the best punter in the NFL. So True. You make, know, he makes a lot of mistakes need, go. You need those coffin corners. <laughs> but I will say the other it's slight concern I have is that, like I said, this is the first time in a while in a game situation that Brett Kearns had to catch a snap from someone else, at least from what my research could find. So... I'm not saying it's a huge, I guess maybe if you're like it, this is like a non-issue and like someone's screaming that this is like the most horrendous issue ever. I'm like maybe a tick or two above you. <laughs> like yeah, I'm, mean, I'm concerned a, a little bit. In my I opinion, suppose. Is, is it an issue? Sure. It's an issue of players that could be replaced. Not that he's not a great long snapper, but I'm taking the long snapper regardless of who it is, just because sure. it, it, I think it's easier. To well, find yeah. When you put it like that, up. that's, that's perfectly reasonable where I think you could see an issue. Maybe, especially if it's Ben Jones will be the speed of the snaps, which can throw off timing. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm attacking. Yeah. That. That's all I'm, I'm saying. coming after the thing. I'm not putting up returns. I'm coming after the block every single time. Cause that ball's a little bit later to get back to the holder or to Brett Kern. That's where you could see some issues. But yeah. I think the, more likely to be on target. Uh, I'm not too terribly worried about that. Sure, and we can put this to bed. I think we've had enough on it. Uh, talk. This is the most we've talked about a long snapper on any of our shows, and, and you get your long snapper content here. But <laughs> I agree with all those. I something to watch for. Here's the simple solution: just don't punt. Yep, just don't punt and go for two, and that, that'll be right up your alley. <laughs> so, and I'm here for it too because it'll make it'll make it more exciting to cover and and then analyze after the game and have everybody scream why didn't they punt in fourth and twenty situation? Yeah, all I'm saying is if four missed field goals didn't co- stop you from kicking, uh, a backup long snapper is not going to stop. True, you from that, that's fine. And so it's just something maybe to keep an eye on, and we'll move on. Uh, but they do have. A game to prepare for as it stands right now. There's obviously options into where this game is going to be played. But before we get into when the potential game could be, well, let's actually let's get into those now and then we'll talk about how they prepare for it. The potential is Sunday as is, Monday or Tuesday night are the, are the three options that have been thrown around. Uh, there's been another fan theory out there about possibly switching bye weeks. I don't think that's going to happen because that's moving. That's too many moving parts in my opinion. And I think it's just easier to reschedule, not reschedule this game to just in one of those Monday or Tuesday. If you're go- if you are going to move it. So I don't think switching of the buys is a possibility. Well, and I, if I thought this was going to be an isolated incident and this was never going to happen again, I would say switch the buys and be done with it. But at some point, it's going to become precedent. There is a way to solve this solution, this game. Right. But if you get into the habit where you're moving bye weeks and, and you're moving a lot, you're not going to yeah. have everything line up like it possibly does for sure. this one. So you have to set precedent for how you're going to handle something like this. I agree. And I think it, to, to shout out to Paul Kaharski, I think on midday, he was talking, I completely agree. I think that they were being intentionally vague on this because they don't everything every situation is going to be a little bit different by yeah. the time we release this pod we may have completely we different have different information, different information. So, sure. yeah. there may be tests hitting right now we don't know about my phone i've got the vibrator on my phone it's not really going off right now but we may have something there so we'll we'll see when we get off it'll be like the uh whatever it was last week when something happened right after we got off we had to record oh, yeah. a snippet but anyway um so ideally for me Actually, what is your ideal game? Because you had some great points, and I don't want to steal your thunder. Of those three options, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, what would you rather just have happen? I I think I'd be tempted to, I mean, Monday seems like kind of a happy medium. I I more have strong opinions of I would hate to have Tuesday be the day. And here's why. Look, you're going up against a tough team in a tough situation where you're going to lose practice days regardless. I'm not saying that you chalk it up to a loss because you're going to go give it your best effort. But if you're getting into Tuesday, now you're cutting into preparation time. And we'll talk about how, how much preparation goes into it. But you're talking about going on a short week for the following week where now you're not just risking losing a game because all the no matter what happens if you play this game this week, the, card, the deck's going to be stacked against you. Not saying you can't win. You absolutely should still go out there, and I still think they can win. But... You don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. You don't mm. want to put, you know, move things back. And then now you're playing once again, short. For, which will be the second time already this year on a short week where you're losing two games to save one that you may lose anyways. Yeah. So to, to reiterate there, you're not saying just give up on the Steelers because in any given Sunday, right? Regardless of the scenario. Sure. So what we're saying is, is that why risk that second game yep. by, by making it on a, on a, Tuesday night, which isn't your normal thing anyway, then you still have to give your you still have to give your players that day break. And we'll get we'll get into the breakdown of the practices here in a second. 
But ideally, and so I guess for me, I'm just like, just go ahead and pull the bandit off, get it over Sunday. Maybe you can free will it a little bit on Sunday and, and catch the Steelers by surprise. Look, I mean, you, this team probably is not going undefeated. I'm not going to, I mean, they, they are undefeated right now. So, I mean, the, they're still, I don't think there's a, the I don't think there's a contributor on our site that picked them to go undefeated. Yeah. And so, so. it's one of those that, uh, look by being three and O you've given yourself the opportunity where you almost have a margin for error. What you don't want to do is lose two games trying to save one. So if you have to lose a game, you know, give it all you can, given the circumstances, and then you just move on. Yeah, I'm with you. I guess happy meeting would be Monday night. I'd, I would hate to stay up for another light one just because I, I like not sleep. not 920. <laughs> 9-20, well, we'll see what happens because I don't think they'll play them at the same time. <laughs> they don't want to lose out on that viewership. But, um, yeah, I guess just go for it Sunday and see what happens. I mean, obviously, you give it one more day. You give one more day to, like, Taylor Lewan to fully heal up. It sounds like he's dealing with something minor there. I still haven't released exactly seen they're being very tight-lipped about it. Yeah, there's but, a report that it's not something serious. Serious, which right, good. which is good, but he may or may not play this weekend. I have my thoughts if he doesn't play this weekend because I would take a 75% Taylor Lewan over the other options. <laughs> so, but let's – now that we've given our opinion on kind of what the games could look like, let's look at what a typical practice looks like and how this is affected now because the Titans aren't allowed in the facility until Saturday at the earliest. So that's you don't get a whole lot of obviously one on one time or, or group on you know coach with group time that kind of stuff. You can't be together in practice. You can't walk through things. But just run me through real quick what a typical without this what a typical practice week looks like in the NFL. Yeah, and I think it's going to vary by coach. You're going to have some variations in it, so I'm going to be very kind of high level on just a standard practice format. Um, but look, Monday is going to be your kind of review day where you're, it's going to be largely film-based. Tuesday, you have to give the players a day off. Typically, that is Tuesday. Sometimes it's Monday, especially on an away game. I, I believe that the Titans operate on Tuesday, but I can't remember that. I, I will say on those off days, the only players that are required to be there are going to be injured players for treatment. So I know that there was a video of A.J. Brown at the facility this morning. He's on the injury report, so that would kind of line up as to why he was there for treatment. Wednesday is when you start to really dive into kind of your install for the next game. So Wednesday is going to be typically what you're on the field practicing, what we'll call hitting, and I have some thoughts on that. Um, so let's just say you're going to install first and second down on Wednesday. Thursday is going to be third down and uh, maybe goal line. Uh, so again, it's a, a heavy install day. Right. Friday, maybe more situational or special teams. Special situations, yeah. key situations. Well, hey, well, if, if uh, hey, we've got to run the field goal team out because it's the end of the game. We need a field goal to win it, that hand, kind of hands stuff. Team, yeah, hands team, hands team, right. Thing. So, again, that Friday is not going to be very heavy on, on, on the uh, hitting perspective, on being physical. And then Saturday is very much just a walkthrough. You're literally getting in the position of whatever your defense is, whatever you've installed over the week, and you're just walking through those, making sure there's no mental guidance. Gaps. I mean, mm-hmm. in a perfect world, there's mental gaps. Everybody knows, and especially if you watch the Vikings game, there's still lots of mental gaps. Right, right. right. Yeah, you're gonna. Those are gonna happen regardless of, of of how much you prep and plan. So that's what you want to try to do is minimize those and everything. And so what I'm hearing from you is even if they bump this game, you're still gonna miss your heavy contact days regardless because it's still gonna fall in that window when you can't gather at the facility. Yeah, and the only thing I would say to that, and this is kind of the point I wanted to make, because we were talking. How big of an impact do you think this would be not having that on the field work this week? I'll let you go first. Yeah. So for me, I obviously you'd love to get all the reps you can just because why not if you're able to get that work. So I know that the players are going to miss out on some live reps. It's not it's not live in the way that they can duplicate exactly what the Steelers do because you don't have the same players, right? You're going as practice players. You're walking, not walking through, but you're stepping through the things. At least for me, to me for coaching, it's, it's all about the stepladder. And what I mean by that is this, is that you go and you have your video review. You then have your meetings about the video review. You then talk about your install to attack what you have reviewed to what you watched. These are, so everything that I've mentioned there can happen still. You have everything up into install that you can do virtually. So you talk about it. You can still have those things going on. The problem is, is now you're, you're, you're taking away that last step before the game. You're taking away that ability to go and say, hey, let's review it. 
Now let's get some muscle memory into it. Because as an offensive lineman, when you're when you're going against blitz blitz packages and things like that, you have the ability then to to rep it live and to be able to. For Nate Davis is a guard. I thought he's. I think he's been spectacular in pass pro. Um, and my complaints have been very minor. I think he's. I think he's having a heck of a season so far. Uh, Dennis Kelly is as well. But what they can do now is they can talk about formations and lineups and what the Steelers like to do percentage wise, and then see those in the game. And then they can also mix it up and, and see as they go through and see live contact and react to it. So now my only concern is you don't have that ability to do that. Do I think it is a huge concern? No, because most, for the most part, you're going to do what you're going to do. The Steelers are going to do what they're going to do. And you can at least mentally prepare yourself for that. And to be honest with you, with the, the shape of some of these guys, it may not be the worst thing in the world to have a couple of days off from hitting and, and get kind of fresh. I mean, you, you, there's concern and there's the rust. Obviously there's rust, Bill, I know I'm way over talking this and, and I need to throw it to you. I apologize. But this is something that like I talk about this when I talk about coaching, that you you build that step ladder and the good coaches always take from one period and go and then you build up to a team group. So you take your group install and then you go into like a, an inside drill or seven on seven and then you build into the team group to really see it all come together. And at least for a coaching staff too, where I'll say this kind of affects is not only for the players, but the coaches can also maybe know, hey, this is really looking good this week. Look at how he's he's attacking his assignments. You're not going to have that this week. So that's the, that's the biggest concern for me, I guess, is now you're not going to have you as a coach, your telltale, well, hey, God, Nate Davis just wasn't getting this during the week. Let's stay away from this play in big situations. Yeah, I mean, I think it is gonna. There's gonna be some sort of an impact. No offense to Nate Davis. Sorry, I need to mention. I was this just, is the Nate Davis podcast. <laughs> um, th- I think there's gonna be some sort of an impact, obviously, but at the same time, look, in season practices, you're not generally going fully live sure, on them. Sure, you're not doing full contact. Maybe you're doing it a little bit more. Uh, because you didn't have the full contact and you missed out on some offseason and you're still trying to definitely clean up some stuff that you didn't, you weren't at the level. Again, going back to that linebacker play. But look, you got in Monday because the positive test came in this morning. That's when they found them out. So you got the review day in. Yep. Again, there's probably not a ton of field work on that. But at the same time, you reviewed a lot of the issues that you saw against the Vikings. Whenever you go into what these next few days are going to be like, yeah, you're not stepping through those things, but this is where that consistency needs to show. Look, the Titans are what they are on offense. Defensively, they are what they are. The good news is that the good <laughs> news, yeah, the good news is is that I don't think that the Steelers do anything spectacularly complicated. Look, if they were going against the Baltimore Ravens, which kind of, they kind of operate on that Navy theory that I talk about, about college football, where given one week to prepare, they're a super tough team because you don't prepare for them any other time. But the Steelers aren't super complicated with what they do. They do it very well, just like the Titans do it very well on offense. Yeah. So you, in, you don't have, look, if, if Lamar Jackson was running around at quarterback back there, if Kyler Murray was running around at quarterback, giving uh, one of your practice squad guys or one of your uh, wide receivers a chance to be the scout team quarterback so team so you could see it. But look, you know where Big Ben's going to be. And yeah, you don't it in that pocket. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you, you have a general idea of what they're going to do, so you're not changing up a ton, especially considering as far as the physical repetitions, where you may see some, some issues will be um, those guys that are trying to replicate some of their star players. So, you know, your T.J. Watt coming yeah, off the edge yeah. with that one-on-one matchup with Tyler Sembreo. And so I think that's one of those where maybe you see something there, but look, if the Titans had somebody that could 100% replicate what TJ Watt's going to do on the He'd edge, be starting. Exactly. You, would, you wouldn't be talking about these edge pressures that they and, have. And you so. mentioned it but with Sembrao. I'm going to be worried about him regardless of how many reps he gets this week. So yeah. let's, not, let's not be coy about that. Yeah, and so I think that's one of those that, look, they have been doing these Zoom meeting preparations for mm-hmm. an entire season. At least they're used season. to it. At least yeah. they're used to it. Yeah, and this is a contingency, and obviously you didn't want to be the first team to deal with it or whatnot, but I really think a week off, where, again, where I think you may see an issue is somebody who is coming off an injury Good kind point. of thing. If the first time you take any sort of even semi-live reps is in the game, that's like, a tough place. That's to a be. tough place. So if AJ Brown or a Dory Jackson were going to come back this week, kind of thing, those are the ones I would kind of wonder about because it, hey, the first time you even go full speed really is going to be. Now you can, I think they could play some games with the walkthrough. I think it's going to be a quote unquote walkthrough if they get one. Um, but I or or a Taylor Lewan. The last time that you were on the field, you had that injury. So yep. what does that look like coming back? Vic off Beasley. Of it? 
Yep. I mean, six, only 16 plays. You would love to, him. He's back. Get him even more reps. So those are the, those are the, I agree with you. Those are the concerns here as far as getting guys just game speed ready. Cause you, you're not going to, not that you're going to see that in practice, like you're saying, but it's a kind of, like I said, it's a step ladder up into it. It's not just going from cold turkey to this. It's like cold turkey to 70% then to game. So you're missing out on some of that for sure. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the other five positives are because if they if are they going to have a completely depleted coaching staff? Is that, yeah, and, and so that'll be interesting to see what happens because personnel kind of leaves it o- open to the interpretation yeah, of that, who it is. Is it is it? I mean, I'm sure we've known about this. Is, is it social media star Nate Bain or is it uh, you know someone who else who's just traveling with the team? You know, who knows? Is it John Bartlett, the the equipment guy? You know, those kind of people, or is it coaches? You yeah. have no clue. Is it Vrabel? You know, yeah, so, I, I don't think it's variable. You would have, I think we would have known that by now. Yeah, it's one of those. Look, I think there Maybe will not. be an impact, but I do think the idea of losing a few days of practice, which are, I think those are going to be relatively minimized. And a, a team that has had, you know, some physical games, some travel games, giving them some time off, um, time off, quote unquote, the field. Look, there are, there are times in a season, it's usually not in week four, that coaches will go into the thing and say, hey, we're doing no hitting and nothing physical this week. Just to give them rest. Real quick, just before we move on here, because I know we really wanted to hit on this, the, the COVID stuff, and because it's the first one of the Titans being the team that we cover, and it's it's a big topic, and 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 uh, we were talking about it. We, you and I were talking about going into this before some of the Twitter stuff, and hopefully we've answered everyone's questions there. But just another angle to this, and not that, again, not that we're ever giving up on a game to say, excuse me, automatic loss or anything, but is this a time that with some of these guys coming back that you might be say, hey. Not for nothing. Why rush A.J. Brown back? Why why rush Adore Jackson back in this situation? Because, I mean, in my from what I've heard, you would be rushing A.J. Brown back at this point, and you possibly could be rushing a, uh, Adore Jackson back. So why not give them that extra week? And, and I'm not saying, again, that you're giving up. At the same time, you know that you're not going to be as prepared as you normally would. So yeah. why take that extra, extra chance at that point, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You hear that saying right. the whole time. Um, and look, you, you don't throw out the possibility, even if you, not to say mail it in, I think everybody that plays on Sunday or whenever they play is going to give it their all, including the coaches. But maybe you don't rush certain guys back because you look right. at it. Look, just because if you're 3-1 and one Sunday night, that doesn't prevent you from being 5-1 and one going into the bye. Still first place in the... Exactly. South. I mean, so, it's not the I mean, worst place in the world to be. Yeah, I think that's definitely something you have to give some sort of consideration into. But at the same time, anybody who is healthy, yeah, go out there, give it your best shot. And I do think they can still win the football game. So, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where this actually lands. But, uh, it, hey, it gives us quite a bit of things to discuss here. It does, and it has. So on that point, if there are any other questions out there, if you're listening to this and go, ah, oh, they didn't touch on this a- aspect, I, th- I feel like we've touched on quite a bit. If there's something more specific that we didn't touch on, please reach out to us on Twitter. Jonathan is very good about responding to things. I am as well. You can hit Jonathan at JB on Broad, me at Ryan on Broadway, or the show at Coaches on Broad. We'll see that as well, or at Broadway TN on that side. If you have any more questions, COVID-related practice questions before we get to the game, please reach out. We'll be glad to go into that and maybe even record a special pod later in the week if we have to, if there's enough if there's enough uh, things that we might have missed or didn't consider. But I think we've covered a lot. So moving on here to the review of the Viking games, if you've listened to any of other shows, we usually start with a review. But, but since this was such a huge topic, we wanted to start there and then work our way kind of back through. So but we will be a little more, uh, a little quicker. So obviously here, if we didn't talk about a specific player, player, it's, understand that we were trying to get to other things and go through it. But for the Vikings review, 31-30, another heart attack inducing game for the Titans. And maybe this is just who they are. Maybe maybe that's just it. And to be honest with you, as a fan of this team out there listening to this show, would you rather be the Atlanta Falcons right now or the Tennessee Titans? Because where the Atlanta Falcons might have looked better in certain aspects, they're in three. They've had some some tough breaks, so they're starting off kind of in the hole this season, where the Titans are three and zero. Which I think that any uh, Mike Herndon, Mike Miracles had a tweet I think today that said of the teams that have started three and zero, none of them have finished with a losing record. That bodes well for your playoff chances if you finish the season with a winning record. Yeah, I mean it's one of those like you don't go three and zero by accident in a, te- in a league that's designed to prevent it. So look, they went against the Vikings, and you we predicted it; they were going to have the Vikings' best shot. To, an, to a large extent, the, that was the Vikings season on the line right there. 
Now, they can climb back into it, but they have put themselves in a massive hole, and especially for a team that has put a lot of emphasis on this season. Look, you took their best shot. Kirk Cousins got right in a lot of ways. Dalvin Cook got going, (laughs) and Justin Jefferson is is a dude. He's a dude. So I I think (laughs) I I don't want to completely diminish – the fact that the Titans have managed to go three and zero here, I know that there are talks out there. Oh, they're look at their opponents; they've been one and eight. Yeah, well, guess what? In a, on a small sample size, when you hand out losses, your t- the teams you beat are not going to have a lot of wins. That's just the nature of it, especially this early too. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a small sample size, so I, I don't know. I, I think we can dive a little more into the game. I know it's going to be a little more rushed this on this episode, but. Overall, I thought the offense played relatively well. Mm-hmm. Um, the running game showed some signs of getting going. Uh, and, you know, look, Tannehill didn't have his best game, but he wasn't terrible. Yeah, and here, let's start with the offense there since we've already brought it up just to kind of keep this in a, a form. I continue to be impressed with Art Smith. I, do I have minor, minor nitpick gripes? Like throwing a toss into the boundary, which is one of my biggest pet peeves? Sure. Having receivers block edge rushers on those big plays? Sure. But they're few and far between. This is a lot better situation than what has been in the Titans past. Art Smith is doing a fantastic job. In fact, he's doing too good of a job because he's going to be head coach soon. I hate it for for the Titans. But I think he's doing great. He's To me, it's the numbers aren't balanced, but his play calling, I know it's like 70% run on first down. That's fine. That's You are who you are. But he's finding ways to mix in his plays and, and hit spots with his levels, concepts that he does with his wide receivers. And he does a good job setting up Tannehill for success. Again, like you mentioned Tannehill wasn't his normal successful self, but he was still really good. I mean, what are we complaining about, really? Yeah, I mean, he handed through the ball that got intercepted. I mean, you can you can be critical of the, of who you're throwing yeah. the ball to. There. Sure, yeah, you know, it, it's your number five wide receiver in that situation, which you'll never expect it. it. Well, that, there's a, there's an element to that. Like, look, we when Corey Davis is on the field and you don't have AJ Brown, the defense is very aware of where he is. Sure, when you see the number five wide receiver, okay, maybe that's not the guy I'm paying a lot of attention to. Okay, well, he underthrew it. So, and then same receiver Westbrook dropped a pass later in the game. So he opened himself up to criticism. I mean, there are some things in there that you can be critical of. The, the, They're few and far between, yeah, though. The, the sweep to uh, Khalif Raymond, the, yep. the kind of handoff there. Look, you can absolutely be critical of that. But I look, think my notes actually said getting a little too cute here. Yeah, but the thing is, it, I think that's situational of when you do it, you could be critical of. But the Titans run a ton of motion in their offense. and the reason you gotta they feed do, the you got to feed the snake every once in a while. Yeah, and the reason you do do that is because it's something that look when they see that wide receiver going across on motion and that linebacker has to shift or the uh the corner is running with them by whichever defense they're in when that guy vacates his zone or vacates his area it opens up running lanes for your Derrick Henry's for a, a wide receiver to come in and replace kind of thing but the second that defense stops respecting that motion well then you're just running a guy for no reason so it's one of those that you have to be able to show that so that the defense actually respects it. Mm-hmm. And now, again, maybe not in that situation where Derrick Henry is starting to get rolling. Sure, I think that, it's, was my, that was my only complaint with it. I think it's starting to get a little, like you said, a little too cute there. But at the same time, I have no problem with that play because you got to show it at some point. Yeah, yeah, just maybe somewhere else. Because at that point in time of the game, Derrick Henry was really – and that's the thing is – this often Derrick Henry showing life. This offensive line is really starting to, to come together again, and 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 the pass blocking has been phenomenal this season. But the run game is catching up, which is their bread and butter, right? So a lot of positives came out of the offense there. And let's keep in mind for Tannehill too; he was without his left tackle for the majority of this game. That's that's if that doesn't affect you somewhere mentally, I, you you had it in the back of your mind. I'm sorry, it just is. You know now that your left tackle is out, the backup's in. You're going to feel some extra pressure there, and so maybe that could explain some of his throws later in the game. But I still think he was above, way above average with his stuff. So, so a lot of positives for the offense uh, as this team continues to find ways to continue to win. And before we move to the defense, I will say this about this team. They have really taken on the identity from Mike Vrabel. They, are, they continue to fight through adversity. Whatever's thrown at them, there is no, like, quit in this team. Down two scores, fine. We'll just go score here. We'll get a stop when we need it. Is it the most ideal way you would like to break down a game? Probably not. But kudos to them because how many times in the past have other Titans teams folded the table and just said, we're done. We're going to lose by, we're going to give it our best effort, but we're going to lose by 17. That I've seen those games that happened on Sunday 
that happened there versus the Vikings that they would have ended up losing by 10 points because they just didn't have enough in the tank. But they kept it close. And that you got to think that, again, from a coaching perspective here, that this is a lot of their head coach's identity and what he preaches every day and the kind of people they bring in the building. And this is showing on game days. Right. You see him get annoyed at some of the questions in press conferences, which I get why people are asking him some of those questions. But I also get why he gets annoyed at them because the second you start to let doubt or panic seep into your, seep into your uh, locker room, that's where the cracks start to show. And so, look, they, they've been that team that has won without two starting tackles and had to go in and, and, and with a backup quarterback. He did that first year that he was there. And they he has emanated the ability to, it's that next man up. Cool, he's down. Okay, next guy up. We're yep. just going to keep going. If we can't practice all week, we got to play on Sunday. We're that's gonna, what we're going to do. Got to get the job so done. It's the same thing. There is no panic in them, and the team seems to really be thriving off of that. Yep, I agree with it. And also, speaking of not panicking and pulling something too quick, kudos to him for also sticking with Guskowski throughout that first game. Listen, there was a lot. And if you're listening to this and saying it didn't flutter into your mind out there, because I saw the tweets, I saw, I saw everyone. It wasn't everybody. There were some people that were being rational about it. I'm not saying you're being irrational either because you miss a bunch of kicks. They're paid to do it. I get it. We even addressed that in the first week that we're like, we understand the frustration. But our take from here was you've got to give him a chance to right the ship. And he did. So kudos to Vrabel and this coaching staff for, for sticking with the guy who is, what you said earlier, to give you credit, earned the right to rebound, and he has, going 6-for-6 six six from field goal, won you that game, kicking some huge kicks late. They weren't just like 20-yard, 30-yard, fifty, you know, a couple 50-yarders in a row there that he just, and I'm telling you, those would have been good from from farther distance. They look good straight away. There was no bend, no wiggle, no nothing. So kudos to Vrabel. I don't know if you want to comment anymore on that, but kudos to Vrabel for sticking with Goskowski. So let's move on to what is the issue. The defense was a problem that day. You saw things. We learned afterwards that there could have been a reason for that, and I want to ask you this question. How big of an issue is it that Bowen didn't make the trip? So I think Bowen not making it, the, the problem is is that they didn't find out till Saturday. So the entire week they've been preparing for him to call plays. And so you have a contingency in, in position to do things like that. But at the same time, um, yeah, finding out a day beforehand, that, that puts you in a bad spot. Now, does that should that mean that that's the performance? Not necessarily, but at the same time, it's one of those that it is a factor. So I think Vrabel handled it as well as possible, but they were pretty bland on defense. Look, I, I saw that I was hoping that when I went back and watched kind of the All-22 that they were doing some special things to take away Adam Thielen, and that's the reason that Jefferson was kind of left on an island and had such a big day. Unfortunately, that's not the case. <laughs> they they were pretty pretty basic on it, and they no bracket, they, no nothing. You know, they ate them alive in man coverage, ate them alive in zone coverage, and it just wasn't something that you, you saw a whole lot of reason for optimism. I think this team drastically misses the speed of a Dory Jackson. Yep. And so I I do think Jonathan Joseph look, had some great plays in the run game coming up and attacking. He did. He caused it specifically caused a fumble early. And we we had in good. People will argue that he didn't cause the fumble. The guy fumbled on his own guy. Well, guess what? He took on a, a fullback and took it textbook to attack the pull, the sure. leading blocker, went through him to cause the pileup. And guess what? When you do things right, good things happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that, yeah, I, he caused the fumble. Yeah, so yeah, mind. did his hit cause the fumble? No, but his pile he created yep. caused that. And if that pile's not there, Dalvin Cook just hits the ground and doesn't fumble. Yeah, and my, my biggest thing whenever you see the Titans, they've always they've always valued the ability to tackle from a DB's perspective. Like, look, people are going to make plays. Don't let them get yards after catch. And there were several plays with bad angles and missed yep. tackles, and that's the most concerning to me. Lots to clean up. Yeah, there, there's look the, the Jefferson catch over Malcolm Butler, the long one. Look, that's going to happen. He went up and made plays. He was in a good position. It just. Yep. Those those are gonna those happen to every corner out there. Jalen Ramsey got that had that had something similar happen to him this weekend, I believe, from the highlights, and he's maybe the best corner in the game right now. So just the crap happens. Yeah, and the, so but you can't let them have the extra stuff. That that's the big thing. You got to tackle them where they make it. I know near the end of the second half or the end of the first half, rather the uh, there was a bad angle by Bayard that gave up another like twenty five yards that put him into field goal range on a Jeff, uh, Jefferson catch. Uh, when they were in basic cover two, which Byard's got to be better than that, took a better took a bad angle, and he typically is. And but he, for some reason, they haven't been so far this year. There's se- several missed tackles that they got to get cleaned up. Hundred percent. Yeah. Let's talk about the positives though, real quick, because Jeffrey Simmons. And, we, and before, hold on to sum up and put Tybo on it. Not to leave the DBs, they've got a lot to clean up there. But I know we got to get to the Steelers and we got to get wrapped up here. But Jeffrey Simmons is a monster. 
I, I, I don't know how much analyst I, I can bring to this. I will touch on it in a huge way later this week in my article, but it, he is a beast. And I, I don't, I don't have the numbers, seven pressures he abused. And that's what I called for in my last week's trenches article that he was going to abuse that interior line for the Vikings. I'm so glad he didn't make a liar out of me because he did. I mean, he, he whipped them. He threw Bradbury on his back, seven yards in the backfield and say what you want about Bradbury. He's not a bad pass blocker and he was able to just treat him like a rag doll. And it's good to see that kind of stuff. It's also good to see Clowney showing some life again. I mean, he's been getting the pressures, but I saw some technique things from him as well that he, the, the push and pull uh, that he did to make a tackle in the backfield. He was making plays in the run game. He's so close to getting sacks. They're going to come. Things are going to fall for him because he's doing a lot of things right right now. Be patient, stay the course. I know the numbers aren't there, but I think he's doing some good things. Anything else you notice positively for the Titans defense? Now, I mean, you, you kind of hit it all right there. That that front, uh, front. front four. I'll Linebackers. call it the front four. I'm not going to say front seven. Yeah, but the please front don't. Four, very, I, I even saw encouraging things from Vic Beasley in the situation. Only played 16 snaps, 16 plays. But, yeah, yeah his, his, he definitely added some extra speed there. Harold Landry was close on some things um, to making things happen. So I, I thought definitely encouraging signs from your base pass uh, rush. I'm done talking about Landry's positive because he's just, he's just been so positive every game. He's just been a, a – a, Great thing to count on for this defense when everybody else wasn't. And if you think Beasley did make an impact, go back to uh, Simmons' sack of the day early on. Beasley's uh, pressure from the edge is what caused Cousins to step up into Simmons to get the sack. Even though Simmons pushed his guy back there to get him, he steps up because Beasley's able to force him to. So, So Beasley did make an impact in this game. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a different uh, speed off the edge with Beasley. So that's something that I think is only going to get more settled in. Just got to get the rest of the linebackers yep. playing. Yeah, and that's my big problem here Moving before we move on to the Steelers. The linebackers have been – we went through some of the metrics today. They have been far worse than what they were last year. They are waiting on things to happen instead of making things happen for themselves. I don't know what they're being coached. I, I don't even want to say it's coaching, but – some disturbing things have happened through these first three games as far as they're waiting more. They're letting the game come to them. And as linebacker, and that's surprising to me, as, as an aggressive as a linebacker as Rashawn Evans typically is. Now, I'll say this. J.M. Brown is a, is a screen sniffer out, or he's a master at that. But the run angles, the, the, the taking on the blocks have left a lot to be desired. Yeah, I mean, you brought up the screen because I was about to bring that up. He's got three. Sorry. Jayon Brown has three big uh, screen plays that he has blown up, and the one in this game may have gone for a touchdown if he doesn't get there because it was Jayon Brown and three Vikings over there for about the next 30 yards on that right. side of the field. So uh, he's doing great at that point, but there does seem to be just some confusion. I, I thought that maybe it was the lack of a real training camp and offseason as repetitions getting back into it that is going to improve it, but I don't know. We're three games in now, yep. and things aren't necessarily improving. So it's one of those they got to be able to play faster, and those are the ones that you would like to have the on the field work this week that have the, that linebacker play improve. I also think that whenever you are kind of hampered by injuries, and in the front seven, they they have been. Um, overall by getting the, those reps up for those backup guys. And we've talked about the number of snaps that Landry's playing, the number of snaps that Clowney's playing, these kind of guys. Is it something that as they get healthier, they can be a little more creative with some of the stuff they're doing on defense? Because when you get complicated, players start thinking. When th- players start thinking, they're not just uh, – it can be more taxing on the, those kinds of things. So I, I don't have – uh, you know, just a magic pill for what is going on with them at the linebacker position. Wish we did. Yeah, because it's one of those that... We'd be millionaires. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think, again, I think repetitions have to be a thing, but what's happening with David Long? We're not on those practices, but he's a guy that plays fast, if nothing else, but clearly he's playing below a Will Compton. So th- Apparently he's a long way from seeing the field. Yeah, so Sorry. it's definitely just, yeah, get out. I don't know. The line, the inside linebacker play has to improve. The safeties have to improve. And teams continue to attack those two positions. So it's one of those that they're, they're going to have to get it right up the middle of the field or this defense is going to continue to struggle. Yeah, I think we've said everything we can from the Vikings game. Sorry about it being a little more rushed than normal. We go into it a little deeper typically. But just moving on to the Steelers real quick. We've touched on them quite a bit uh, throughout the show early on and in, in the practice prep and, and kind of some things you've talked about. Big Ben, I think the obvious thing for the offense here, just to touch on a few things, and I want you to go into the how to attack them on defense. But just as far as attacking them on offense, you got to get Ben moving. you got to get him out of the pocket, get him uncomfortable. you got to get to him. So the, the improved defensive line hopefully helps with that. Um, they've got a good run game. 
I'm not going to say it's great, but they've got a good one. They've, they've been doing it for a while, and they've always seemed to be pretty good at it. So you've got to be able to have your run fits and to be mindful of that. They love to take their shots. You've got to be able to hold, hold your coverage for those shots and be able to make them drive the field. As you pointed out, you want to make – because they don't want to do that. They don't want to drive the field. So you got to be ready for those shots, for those mesh unders that can break, those kind of things on, on the offense. But my big thing is that um, – and because I put the note in there, and I said it during my notes watching the game, effing – Eric Ebron. Uh, it seems to be a thorn in the Titans' side at times. So I just have to be mindful of him. He doesn't, maybe he's not a, a the most elite tight end out there, but he seems to make plays against the Titans. So I got to call him out. Yeah, I think it's one of those that with this game, if I'm coaching one thing, it's don't give up the big play. We talked about what the Vikings were going to come in and try and do with Kirk Cousins. They weren't going to throw it down the field a ton. Uh, the The Steelers will. They will they're going to take their shot after shot. That's what Big Ben is. That's what their receivers are. They want to throw it down the field and then run the ball at you. They will throw some underneath stuff, but yep. Ben is not a super just perfectly accurate quarterback, but he throws a great deep ball and will give his guys a chance to go make a play. So you've got to be disciplined on the back end. Look, that front has to be able to to win in the pass rush. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my biggest worry would be again right up the middle. If I'm if I'm the Steelers, I'm running the ball right at the Titans, and I'm r- running passes to Eric Ebron, who I'm going to try and get matched up on a linebacker or Kenny Vaccaro, and say stop it. When you stop it, cool. That, great. Go on to something else. But then we'll throw your unders under that. <laughs> I am not sure if the Steelers will be patient enough to nickel and dime down the field. So that's what I'm banking on. If I'm the Titans, they weren't versus the Texans for sure. Yeah, and so I'm going to sit back and I'm going to say, hey, we're not going to give up the big play. And if you nickel and dime us, cool. That that's what you did. But for me, it, if you give up the big play, it's all bets are off because everything opens up for the Steelers' offense at that point. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent on you. Juju loves eating that under that you talked about. So that's where I would look for him. Uh, they've got listen. They've got some athletes of receivers, so I am concerned about that against our secondary. And with no Adore Jackson, which I'm just going to say, I don't think Adore Jackson's coming back for this one. So, um, but go on to the offense now. And and how, or excuse me, their defense and how our offense is going to, or I'm so sorry, how the Titans' offense is going to have to attack. Um, what are some things you're looking for? Yeah, so I think if you're if you're the Titans' offense, you you you're not impacted by these these COVID issues here. You know what you're going to be on offense. I, I think maybe you're not putting in any sort of trick plays th- this week, uh, but you know what you're going to do. You have the consistency. You're going to go in there, and I think there's an opportunity to run it at the Steelers. Look, the Steelers, um, they're set up. They want to rush the passer with Watt and Dupree off the edge, and look, they are going. It's a mental game. They're going to play games. They, are, they want to come up. They're going to disguise blitzes. They're going to play games with the offensive line, and so you've got to be disciplined. So maybe the extra mental work is not a bad thing this week. Yeah, maybe not. Getting there to see all the different disguise blitzes that they're going to do. But look, I think they have four guys that are in the top 10 or top 15 for pressures at their position. Um, they've been getting pressure now. You look at some of the teams they played, and look, Houston, Houston gives a, a lot to be desired gives, on their offensive line. Gives a lot line. of pressures regardless. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those that you got to go in, and I think there's an opportunity to get right on, at the run game. They have been against some teams that want to run the ball but don't do it great. And so, look, the, the, the Texans – traded for David Johnson to throw him the ball. I mean, that was pretty clear with how they're structuring their team. And so the Titans need to go in there, be physical, and bring a little bit of that Ravens mentality that the Steelers have been preparing for but haven't seen yet this season and just run the ball right at them. Look, they run a lot of zone coverage based on their disguise blitzes that they're going to do up front. So it, it should be a game where Adam Humphreys can find those zones Anthony Ferkser is a guy that also is very good at finding those openings in the zone and sitting down there. But I do think you have to be patient with the with the Steelers. Run it at them. Be patient. They want to trick you into taking a mistake or making a mistake and taking the ball away from you. you got Mink Fitzpatrick, who has great instincts on the back end. Joe Hayden is still no slouch. They communicate very well in what they do on the back end. So that you have to do the opposite of what the Steelers want to do on offense. You're going to have to be patient and work your way down the field. They bring great pressure. You can't let that get to you. You have to be able to stem the tide there, like you're saying. So I 100% agree with you. They've got they've got great H pressure. So for me, you got to attack the middle of that defense with your run game and take what, the, what you get. Don't get frustrated. And it's going to be frustrating to watch that the, the Titans are going to get three to four yards a pop. But you've got to take those plays because if you can, you can keep those linebackers sucked up and worried about Derrick Henry. Now your zones, as you touched on, open up for your receivers to find because I do think they are saw a little soft there they do give up those contested catches they're not contested they do give up those uncontested catches because they're in that zone look adam humphreys catch it fall down 
move the chains. So the Steelers don't like to nickel and dime. The Titans have to be willing to nickel and dime and, and get what they can, move down the field, and, and take what the Steelers give them this week. That said, the, the aggressiveness of the Steelers' DBs to come up and attack the football, I think you're going to see them try to jump a lot of those uh, drag routes, those deep um, crossers that the Titans like to run. Uh, so if I'm the Titans, I'm, I'm trying to run one of those, getting one of those safeties to bite up, knowing knowing tendencies. And that's where you could see a Khalif Raymond, or over I'd love top. to see a Cameron Batson, who they haven't shown the over-the-top shot to him. It's been a lot of stuff across the middle to get him the ball in space. And he's good at that. He's very good at that. But I think that's where you could see those, those shot plays that have to, they'll be schemed. They'll be well-timed. You're not going to be doing it a ton. That's what but I'll I say, think you yeah. can take advantage of some of the tendencies that the Steelers have. Art Smith has well-timed his shot plays this year. And that's the one thing I've been improving when I'm talking about the balance. It's not just balance like run to pass. It's the balance of when he's calling his play. So I look for that to continue as, as the Titans go into the Steelers game here. Um, but you, you, you hit on it all. They've got to be ready for the disguised blitz packages. The Steelers are good at it. They love them. Uh, listening to, to the the uh, interview today, man, I, I got to say this. I love Mike Tomlin. I said that in the preseason. We we're talking about coaches we like in, in the NFL. Mike Tomlin's one of those guys that, that, that I really like. He's a good coach. So the Steelers are a good team. And uh, the Titans have got to – Bring their A game this week in a, in a tough situation, but I think if there's one team that is set up to persevere through a tough situation, it's the Tennessee Titans. It, they've showed it all year. I don't think this will be any different. That all being said, with this matchup, the circumstances, what is your prediction for the game? Well, I predict there will be a game. Um, and then as far as the <laughs> result of it, I think it's probably going to be something that I think the Steelers are probably going to pull this one out. The Titans just had a tough road with a lot of the circumstances they've been facing. I think it's it's tough to go in there without Taylor Lewan. Um And I really think you're going to be seeing, hey, we're on to Buffalo Sunday or Monday evening. You're gonna that's what's going to be, and that's fine. Um, go 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 get the next win. Score prediction. I think it's probably going to be. Uh, something like, hey, the Steelers have been scoring in that 28 to 29 range, so I'll stick with it. Let's go 28 to 21. Yeah, I'm, I'm very close to what you are, and I'll change mine a little bit just for some variety here because I was actually going to say 28. I was actually going to say 29 points. So I'm going to go with 26 just to kind of play the odds here. So 26 to 19 or 26 to 20, that kind of thing, and the Titans need a touchdown late because I don't, I'm not doubting Guskowski late game field goal anymore. So I'm not going to say they miss a field goal to lose it. I'm going to say that it's, they, they, they don't quite get the last touchdown that they need. And it's 26 20 Steelers win because it's just, a, it's an uphill battle for the Titans. To be honest with you, when I picked the games, this was a loss for me even before all this when I looked at the schedule. Um, I haven't, really changed. What has changed is I think the Titans could fight through a little more adversity than I thought that maybe they could. So maybe they'll surprise me. I'll be very happy if they do. But calling it 26-20 now, you are at 28-21. We're about in the same ballpark as far as our spreads there. So hopefully they prove us wrong. But that is going to close it up this week for us. So this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partner of 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all the other podcasts, articles, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Make sure to also follow Jonathan at JB on Broad, myself at Ryan on Broadway, and the show at Coaches on Broad. Be sure to subscribe and rate five stars. Check out Instagram, Facebook. I think I've hit everything. So until next time, we out. See ya.